You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Today I thought we'd take it a little bit easy and look at what's going on around the NFL and see how it might impact things going forward. And that's about it. I uh, fully intend for this to be somewhat of a shorter episode. We'll see how it goes. You would know already because you can see how long it takes, so I don't know why I'm still talking about this. By the way, incredibly ashamed that all the Packer fans seemingly have packed it in because it's a bye week. I have not had numbers this low since, like, July. Y'all, y'all just quit on the team already? That's crazy, man. Whatever, do what you gotta do. You got more important things to do than worry about the Packers. I get it, it's fine. It's no big deal. There's no skin off my back. I'll be here when you get back. When you decide to be a Packer fan again, I'll be here waiting. But today is actually a somewhat of a... Not somewhat, it's a pretty big day. Because the outcome of today is going to have some pretty massive implications. Or at least it can have pretty massive implications. Some of these games should be automatic. But as we know, automatic games don't usually go the way we expect. See the Saints-Falcons game if you need an example of what I'm talking about. Otherwise, there's not a huge amount going on. Kaepernick had his thing yesterday, which... I mean, we'll see what happens. I have a general standing rule that, um, for example, I will tell my children when they apply for a job... After the interview, don't stand up and call them a bunch of bigots. You know, I mean, you could try it. Maybe you still get the job. Probably shouldn't, though. But Kaepernick decided to go that route. He did his workout, had some really good throws. Maybe one of the eight scouts will report back to their team that despite the fact that uh, he doesn't like us and thinks that we're horrible people and is going to continue to bash us while on the team, maybe we should have him anyways. My guess, that's probably not going to happen, but you never know. Sort of a bold strategy cotton kind of thing, you know? Otherwise, not a ton going on. There's some team news and whatnot. We'll get into that. As for this show, the two biggest things that I'd like to remind you. Number one is that we've got the GoFundMe campaign still going on. It is Packers fans against cancer. It's going to be running uh, now through Christmas. And then uh, early Christmas morning, I'm planning on pushing the money over to the foundation. I set a goal for $1,000. We're already uh, over halfway there. Um, I just want to make sure that we keep that momentum up. And again, anything that you can give, every little bit is going to add up. If you can spare $5 today, it would be unbelievably um, unbelievably helpful, and I would very, very much appreciate that. I look forward for us to be able to, to do something fun, and I want to be able to continue doing this too. I've never done it before, so I want to try to, to feel it out and see how it goes and, and kind of gauge the responses of it or whatnot, but it's nice to be able to have the platform that I have, which obviously is I've never been in this position before, to be able to, to do something like this, you know, to see what kind of good we can do. Otherwise, the Instagram giveaways, there is a brand spanking new one. Here's the situation. I'll tell you what it is, but I'm not going to today. Because if I have to tell you, then you don't have to necessarily go there and see it for yourself. So Packernet Podcast on Instagram, if you're not following, you need to because you're missing out on several giveaways. And yes, we do have a brand new one. All the rules and all the, the, I mean, what it is, is already there. It's another one that is going to be running for one week. And yes, this is running concurrently with the other uh, giveaway. We are 20 followers away. So I need 20 people to go follow uh, the Packernet Podcast on Instagram. We will be giving away uh, the winner's choice of either a jersey or a signed picture. The jersey is Chuck Mercine. 
the uh, signed picture is Johnny uh, Johnny Holland. So those are the two giveaways, and hopefully within a week we'll have uh, two new winners, one for this new competition and then one for the 600. So if you haven't done so yet, get on Instagram, start following. Lastly, as far as the t-shirts go, you can find all of the newest designs on uh, Facebook, especially the Facebook page. That's where most of that stuff is going to be. I'm planning on, I I think the next one I'm going to do is one kind of really awesome design as opposed to a bunch at one time. And I really want to get this one done because it's going to be very appropriate for the game that's coming up. So I would like to have it done by this week if possible, or or maybe unveil it next week as we kind of get into that 49ers game. But first things first, I got to recoup the money that I made. And we're very close to that, excuse me, the money that I spent. We're very close to that, and I appreciate everyone that's bought things. And by the way, if you've bought it, uh, if you bought anything, if you could do me a big favor and take a picture, and I'll be sure to throw that all up on Instagram. Appreciate the support of all of you. So if you're interested at all, be sure to check that out. Also on Instagram, there is a link there to the um, to the store. You can check that stuff out. I think that's it. I think we're all caught up. Why don't we take our first break, and we'll start talking about some of this Sunday action. So as the season's winding down now, if you were planning on going to any Packers games this year, you might want to jump on that relatively quickly. There are only two home games left, so, you know, not saying, I'm just saying. And if you are planning to attend, make sure you're using Vivid Seats to get the tickets that you want. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you download the Vivid Seats app. It makes it real simple. So, I mean, you know, the next time you're like, oh, we should go to that thing, you have to dig around. Just pull out your phone like, I know what to do. Vivid Seats app, I already know. You're over there Googling. You don't even know. And as I've said before, you automatically get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program where you can earn credit back in Vivid Seats Rewards. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So if you haven't done so yet, again, download the app, join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, and when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. And let's not forget that because it's Sunday, today is officially Prop Bet Day. Head over to mybookie.ag and see what kind of props we got for these games coming up. For example, Detroit Lions versus the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys minus seven right now. Hopefully Dallas can close this out. Not that I'm really scared of... See, I shouldn't start talking about it yet. Never mind. Either way, what you can do with things like prop bets is you can bet on, for example, the first half. What will be the spread in the first half? Right now, the the spread is set at minus three and a half for the Dallas Cowboys. Over-under set at 23. Or team to score first. That actually is kind of interesting because it's... I mean, regardless of which team's better, you kind of chalk it up to a coin toss, don't you? Money line on that is minus 155 for the Cowboys. But I mean, again, as I've said before, anything you want to bet on is available. Total field goals by both teams, over-under set at 2.5. And there's different odds based on what you're betting. There's also over-under set at 3.5, right? And then you get different odds based on what you're betting on. You can bet on total touchdowns, whatever. And the fun thing about this is, whatever game you've got televised, I think we've got the Lion or the Vikings game. Actually, I think it's just the Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears are all the games I get here. But they've got live in-game betting. Now, you can bet on the first drive. And as I said before, put a little money down on the first drive. Based on the conclusion of that, you can maybe cash out that money and take it over straight to Buffalo Wild Wings and get you a soda pop. Just thinking out loud here. Either way, if you join right now, my bookie will match your first deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000, which means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. 
We'll be referring back to that um, as we go on just to kind of look at some of the odds and whatnot of these games. But I think what we're going to do is just run through, as far as methodology, just noon games and then break and then afternoon, p.m., and Monday. Some of these games are going to have, obviously, a bigger impact on the Packers. Some of them will have none, but we'll, we'll touch on all of them because, I mean, you know, why not? So first off, we got the Washington Redskins and the New York Jets. Right now, Washington are the favorites, and i, I got to be honest, off the bat, if you were to just ask me who's going to win, I would definitely say the Jets. And the only reason I would say that is because I'm looking at two very inept teams, but the Jets have a pretty scary defense. Now, this is in Washington, which does play into this. But again, just looking at PFF, and they've got their um, Massey rankings and whatnot, which are adjusted rankings. Overall, the teams are ranked 28th and 29th. Offensive ranks the, the Jets as the worst offense in football, but the Redskins are the 27th ranked offense in football. But defense... Redskins are 19th, Jets are 3rd. So just off the bat, I'm feeling a little bit more, um, I like the Jets more. Although maybe it's sort of a Chicago Bears situation where it doesn't matter how good the defense is if you can't score points. Entirely possible. And this is very possibly, you know, two of the worst quarterbacks in football going against each other right now. Uh, Sam Darnold right now is ranked 34th out of 39 quarterbacks. Many of those quarterbacks are not playing right now. Josh Rosen, Luke Falk, Cam Newton, uh, Case Keenum. So just absolute trash. But again, as I look at the Jets' defense, um, that's really just the safeties, isn't it? I don't know. They're, they're pretty banged up as well. They don't have Mosley at linebacker anymore. I don't care. I'm still taking the Jets. There's just there's nothing good about the Washington Redskins. There's nothing. Quentin Dunbar at corner is just playing out of his mind, and that's cool. Everybody's trash. Landon Collins, as I kind of told you was going to be the case, not very good. Josh Norman, as I've been saying for several years, not good. Josh Sweat, somebody that several Packer fans thought was going to be this great edge he's trash. How do the Jets score? I have no idea. Maybe Le'Veon Bell has like one good play for this season and it's in this game. I'm not sure. Try to get Jamison Crowder going. He's going up against his former team. Maybe he has a little bit of a flash. He is maybe arguably the best. I was going to say wide receiver. He's probably the best player on the team right now outside of Le'Veon Bell, although that's debatable too. But, I mean, Haskins is so bad. Terry McLaurin is having a good year, but so is Brian Poole, the cornerback for the Jets. And, again, these safeties are just playing out of their mind. I would assume they're going to get at least one pick in this game. It's going to be close, but I'm, I'm just saying the Jets are going to win. Now, what are the implications for the Packers? Very little outside of the fact that we play the Washington Redskins. And I'm always trying to keep an eye on maybe teams are better than we think. And if you see a game where the Redskins annihilate the Jets... It's, it, it starts to get trap game written all over it, right? The Packers go into this. They assume it's going to be an easy game. You got Terry McLaurin. Maybe we can't slow it down. They've got a couple good players on the offensive line with Chase Roulier and Brandon Scherf. They got Darius Geis back, who's a pretty good running back. He can, they can kind of catch you off guard, right? Like a smaller guy with a real stiff jab. Thinking he's nothing, he pops you in the mouth, kind of stuns you a little bit like what's going on. Before you know it, cold cocks you with the right hook and you're on the ground. So I, I, I'm not super worried about the Redskins, but it's one of those things where if the Jets beat the Redskins, it's like, all right, I think we are we can kind of rule that one out. We're good to go. I mean, there's, there's always a, a chance for a trap game of some kind, but it would just be nice to see the Redskins get stomped out. And although they are the favorites, I'm just going to say the Jets win. I'm not surprised either way. They're both really, really bad. I'm not sure how either team finds a way to win, but I'm putting it on the Jets. Next up, we got Saints and Bucks. The Saints are only minus four and a half, which is pretty surprising, but also not really. 
the, the, as I've said before, the Buccaneers' only job for the last couple of years has been to play spoiler. They have that one game where they just put up 50 points and annihilate a team they just should have no business beating. Saints are also coming off a beat against a team that they had no business losing to. Now again, looking at these Massey rankings via PFF, they're pretty similarly ranked offenses. The Saints, they have ranked 9th, and the Buccaneers, they have ranked 11th. Marshawn Lattimore is going to be out in this game for the Saints, which is a pretty impactful um, loss. But when you got Evans and you got Godwin, who right now, by the way, is, is graded higher than Evans, Chris Godwin. Who's that? He's, he's, he's essentially been a freakish wide receiver for three years, and nobody talks about the guy. And he is currently ranked higher than Mike Evans, who is basically has an elite grade. Now, O.J. Howard hasn't done anything, but if he doesn't scare you, that's probably a problem. The offensive line is not great, but not terrible. And you're looking at a Saints team that has a mediocre defensive front. Obviously, Cam Jordan is a pretty scary player. He's not as elite as he has been in the past, but he's still relatively talented. Uh, Davenport, Marcus Davenport, the guy that the Saints traded up for with the Packers to go snag, has still not quite hit his stride. He's good, not great. They don't have very good corners, which it means it, it really is going to come down to Jameis Winston. Jameis, if he has one of his classic four interception games, obviously there's no point in even discussing this. However, if he can kind of get into a rhythm and attack this team with Evans and Godwin up against a team that really struggles as far as their corners, they can start going after it. They also are starting to get Ronald Jones involved a little bit more now. And they do have a very good head coach who's starting to kind of make this thing work. So they've got maybe the best, I mean, seriously, as far as PFF grades go, I don't even think it's debatable. The best wide receiver duo in football, Jameis Winston has talent in there somewhere. It's just a matter of whether he's going to be, you know, Trubisky-esque or if he's going to be the other end of the spectrum. They've also got Cameron Braid at tight end. So if O.J. Howard isn't quite panning out, you still got that dual tight end threat potential. You've got the wide receiver, the running back who is a receiver. So there's a lot of different ways to attack the Saints. And with a creative head coach, right, this isn't just a team that is just wild and crazy and kind of garbage. They've got some creativity as far as having an offensive-minded head coach who's had a lot of success coming up with a game plan to attack the Saints who are coming off a pretty bad loss. Now, the flip side of that is I don't know how in the world you stop the Saints, how the the Buccaneers are going to stop the Saints. They have probably the worst safety duo in football. They don't really have any corners to speak of. They've got Ndamukong Sue, who is just easily having the worst year of his year of his career. They do have Shaquille Barrett. He's leading the NFL in sacks. I've been saying that he's going to get surpassed very, very quickly, very, very easily because he had a flurry of sacks early and has slowly fallen off. But I think last week he had another flurry. So he's still kind of hanging in there as the sack leader in the NFL. Um, you pair that with, I mean, it's still in Dominican Sioux, so there's some threat there. Vita Vea has been a very, very good defensive uh, guy. William Golston, relatively talented. So there's enough along the defensive front to kind of keep them honest, but I still expect the Saints, pending some kind of a complete collapse, to really be able to get after it. So we'll see. I mean, the loss last week came largely because the offense couldn't get going. The defense actually looked pretty good. They had three elite players on defense last week. But on offense, they, they the highest-graded person was Ryan Ramzik with a 75. But anyways, it seems like it should be a slam-dunk game. It absolutely isn't. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can get out in front of this thing and just attack the defense and start racking up points, and the offense can't get their act together from last week, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. Obviously, the implications are pretty straightforward. The Saints are still one of the top teams in the NFL, one of the top teams in the NFC. If they fall another game and end up 7-3... and three, 
I mean, that just obviously gives the Packers even more breathing room. It, it launches them up even higher, especially on a bye week where they can't lose. They're on a two-game slide, so then they start to doubt themselves. they got to go up against the Panthers and the Falcons again, which are divisional games. they got the 49ers coming up, which is tough. they got the Colts, which, meh. You know, so I mean, we'll see. I mean, they could easily run the table the rest of the season, or they could start falling. But I think the Buccaneers taking it to them here if they can get a win, and the Saints go down two games in a row. Especially considering, I mean, what was the last team they beat that was really any good? The Cowboys, they beat by two. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. They beat the Bucks already once this season, but I think the Buccaneers have an opportunity to kind of kick them while they're down a little bit, and let's hope that they do. Next up, just going down the line, Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Minnesota is rightly so expected to win the game. But as I've said in the past, if there is a direct correlation between how well um, Kirk Cousins plays and if the team wins, right? In other words, if he plays at this level or above, they're going to win. If he plays at this level or below, they're going to lose. It's really what it comes down to. And the Denver Broncos still do have a relatively good defense. Right now, uh, looking at the Massey rankings, they have the Vikings as the 11th best defense in football. They have the Broncos as the 5th best defense in football. So Adam Thielen is out. Linval Joseph is out. Uh, Anthony Harris, the safety, is out. And so you're looking at a team that right now has... I mean, the offensive line is 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 not that bad right now. It's not great, but Elfline, Reef, and O'Neal are decent. Bradbury and Dozier are bad, but you take away that number one receiver. They've still got Von Miller on the team. They've got a solid defensive front. They've got, you know, geez, Alexander Johnson, whoever that is, is the number one linebacker. I mean, this this is the Vic Fangio effect. Never heard of the guy in my life. Um, this is the only grade he's ever had. This is the first time he's ever been graded on anything. He's only played five weeks in the NFL so far. He's the number one graded linebacker in football. They've got Justin Simmons, who is the second highest graded safety in football. He's never been graded higher than a 75. He's at a 90.9 right now. And Kareem Jackson is the fourth highest graded safety in football. It's his highest graded season ever. This is the exact same thing that happened to the Bears. Right? you got a bunch of guys that are playing higher than they've ever played in their entire careers. And once again, you got safeties and you got linebackers. And this is a team that still has Chris Harris, which is one of the top corners in football. You throw him over on digs. They don't have Thielen. They're trying to run. But again, you've got Von Miller. you got Mike Purcell. You've got Shelby Harris. You've got this linebacker, whoever this guy is. you got Todd Davis, who's a pretty solid linebacker. And you got the best safety duo in football. It's going to be a little bit harder to run than you're used to. And, and trying to throw just to digs when, again, you got Chris Harris and some really talented safeties and linebackers and everything else, it's, it's not a given. Especially when you're giving them 10-point favorites. I mean, I get it. The, the Denver Broncos trying to score against this Minnesota Vikings defense, especially in Minnesota, which is one of the hardest environments to play in. They don't get enough credit for how hard it is to win in Minnesota. I absolutely get that. But, you know, to be fair, not very good corners. And, you know, there's still a shot with Cortland. Okay, there's not very, <laughs> there's not very much of a shot. Man, this is a bad offense. Holy cow. Well, they got Cortland Sutton and they got Phillip Lindsay. They're something, and the the Vikings still do not have very good corners, although Kendricks is playing out of his mind. Griffin and Hunter are some of the best pass rush duo in football. they got a bad offensive line, really, really good safety duo. All right, Vikings are probably going to win, but if I'm putting a silver lining on this thing, again, watch Kirk Cousins and how he's playing. He has a tendency to really kind of fall off at times. This is one of the better defenses he's going to be playing all year and has played all year. 
This is also, by the way, Vic Fangio, who's gone up against the Vikings several times, including Kirk Cousins. He knows exactly how to play this team. So, do I think the Broncos are going to win? Not necessarily. Am I confident enough to to think that a 10... Do I think 10 points is way too much to put on the Minnesota Vikings against the Broncos? Yes, I do. Very little confidence, but there is absolutely a scenario in which the Denver Broncos beat the Minnesota Vikings. It really just comes down to how do the Broncos score. Because the Broncos' defense is more than capable of, of shutting down this Minnesota Vikings offense. The Broncos have to find a way to score points, though. Uh, Buffalo and Miami, meh. I mean, I, I don't even know how to put any kind of spin on this in terms of implications. It doesn't really have any. I think Buffalo is wildly overrated because they've had these, you know, the easiest schedule in football. I mean, it's, it's the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots have had the easiest schedule all throughout the year. Um... But it's still Miami, so Buffalo's probably going to win. I, I don't care enough to even really look into it beyond that. Jacksonville and Indy also really doesn't have much by way of implications. Both AFC teams, neither team very likely to be, I don't know, in the playoffs, I wouldn't think. You've got a Jaguars team that most people probably think have a good defense, but they don't. That was That's old school stuff. Neither of them has a good offense. Um, Colts will probably win, but, I mean, who cares? But much more interestingly, the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. I started talking about it and decided not to. The, the biggest reason that I was about to say that I really want Dallas to beat Detroit, although I can understand if you want to root for Detroit to kind of keep Dallas down because Dallas has the potential to be a team that could be competing against the Packers in the playoffs, whatever, I, I get that. I'm still operating with the fact that through the rest of the season, we need to win as many games as possible, and I don't know that Detroit is a guarantee. Detroit knows how to play Green Bay. They've given us problems in the past. Every time we play them, it's at, at the very least, if we're not getting completely stomped out like last year, they usually do a good job of at least keeping it close. And so, you know, kicking the Detroit Lions in the teeth as many times as possible so that it's kind of reverse of 2018 where the Packers are so defeated they got blown out by the Detroit Lions. I kind of want the reverse to happen. I want the Packers to beat them 37 to nothing because the Detroit Lions are so unbelievably defeated that by the time that game is over the the head coach ends up getting fired as he walks through the tunnel because the owner just meets him right there at the entrance of the tunnel and says just get your stuff and get out and so for me I would prefer to see Dallas just absolutely stomp out the Lions because again I just want them to have no confidence now the biggest thing here and and Matt Stafford is not playing is whether or not Matt Stafford is going to be playing against Green Bay. Presumably he will, but we don't know that definitively. But either way, not having Matt Stafford means more losses, and then by the time he comes back, and it, well, I don't know. I was going to say maybe they just keep him on the bench, but I don't think they would do that. But that's my thing. But either way, it's, it's, it ends up being one of those positive things again. If Detroit ends up winning, that kind of stinks, but they're 4-5-1. and one. They're still not competitors in the division. And they just took a game from Dallas so that Dallas is kind of defanged a bit, right? Because you look at Dallas and you think, I don't know if I, you know, you look at the playoff picture and think, I don't know if I want to play Dallas, man. They got you know, they got Ezekiel on that offensive line and Dak and Amari and some kind of scary stuff, and I don't know. But if the Detroit Lions beat them, it's like, man, Dallas, that's just not a good team. So, it, again, it's one of those that either way it's a positive. And I think the positives outweigh the negatives no matter who ends up winning this game. Um, two other noon games, you got the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Another one that doesn't super matter. I, I, To some degree, I'm wanting to root for the Carolina Panthers because I think Carolina has the ability to play spoiler, especially in regard to the New Orleans Saints. And so them kind of rising up and being something. 
Not that I want them to necessarily catch fire, get into the playoffs, and annihilate everybody. But I want one of these teams to be good enough to, to step up and play spoiler so that the Packers can be above, for example, again, the Saints. But uh, not just that. I mean, they play the Saints twice. They also play the Seahawks. So they've got the ability to come in and beat a few teams. I kind of want the Panthers to be a, a decent enough team. I don't think there's there's that. I mean, if you're worried about the Panthers getting into the playoffs and being a danger, which you shouldn't be, then I guess we're rooting for the Falcons. But that's the only real rooting interest I have in this is if the Panthers can kind of get into a rhythm and actually be somewhat of a scary team, they have the ability to maybe take one from the Saints, possibly beat the Seahawks. I don't really know that I believe those things are very likely possibilities, but, you know, it would be kind of nice. And I do expect the Panthers to win the game. I mean, the Falcons are in such a bad way. I mean, they just came off a win, which is cool. I don't think it's going to happen again. And then finally, the Texans and the Ravens doesn't really have that big of an implication other than trying to think, could we possibly be seeing these teams in the Super Bowl? And who would we want to see in the Super Bowl? Because I'll be honest, as much as I... I don't want to say I don't buy Baltimore, but they're a volatile team, and I've talked about what my thoughts on volatile teams in the postseason. However, the thought of facing Lamar Jackson in the postseason, I just, no thank you. The Packers have a long history of getting beat by mobile quarterbacks, and I just don't want to deal with that. RG3, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Michael Vick, I just don't want to deal with it, but... All that aside, assuming this has no implications, this is one of those games that I'm upset that I can't watch it. And I, I don't even care if the Bears game, the Vikings game, whatever else is on, I would be watching this one if it was televised. Unfortunately, it's not. Anyways, this is taking me entirely too long. Why don't we take a break and we'll get the afternoon games, etc., etc. All right, so really, really big game as much as it seems like it's never going to be what we want it to be. But 3 o'clock game, Central, 3.05, San Francisco 49ers. Arizona Cardinals. I know, it's not even worth talking about. 49ers obviously get... You ever seen football before? Crazy stuff happens all the time. Stop squashing my dreams. So the 49ers are 10-point favorites right now. They, via PFF, are the fourth highest-graded team, second-highest-graded defense, 16th-highest-graded offense, compared to the Cardinals, who are 27th overall, 24th offense, 32nd-ranked defense. So, you know, yeah, I get it. It's not great. However... Kittle probably isn't playing. He's doubtful. That's helpful, considering he's pretty much the only really, really good team uh, player on the team. I mean, again, via PFF, pretty legitimately. Not good, but, you know, the only standout offensive guy on the team. So the question is, how in the world does it happen? Well, I can tell you that the Arizona Cardinals, if they have anything, it's pass rushers. They've got Chandler Jones, who's still really talented. they got Terrell Suggs, who obviously isn't what he was, but he's still a talented guy. And so I think really just playing good, solid, fundamental football is going to be the biggest thing. Disrupt the quarterback. Make the tackle when it's in front of you. Don't blow assignments. Force Garoppolo to, to try to stand in the pocket and throw accurate passes. All right, Not to wide open guys down the field because you don't know what you're doing. Be somewhat in coverage. All right, Gap discipline the whole nine yards. Right, You just got to play solid, fundamental football. On the flip side of it, how do you win? I, I think that's even more... I don't want to say more likely because it is a very tough defense, but you got Kyler Murray, which is kind of an unscouted. I mean, the whole thing is an unscouted look, right? This is a very unique foreign style offense. So you can throw a lot of different things at the San Francisco 49ers. You got Christian Kirk, who, although not the best player in the world, very, very electrifying speed and all this kind of stuff. Larry Fitzgerald, great veteran. You got David Johnson. Not obviously what he was that one year, but he's still really talented. You got Max Williams, the tight end, who's a talented tight end. 
The offensive line is not great, especially against this defensive line, but hopefully good enough to hold up a little bit. Again, I'm, I'm beyond reaching here, but it's not impossible. Just play solid fundamental football. Hope the San Francisco 49ers kind of just, you know, don't play their best. And just, just find ways to score points. That's it. I don't know how you got to do it. Pretend it's like the Super Bowl. Pull out some crazy trick plays. Go for it on fourth down. Do some crazy stuff to try to find ways to get points on the board. And again, on defense, make the tackle. Don't blow your assignments. Stay in your gaps. And if you can just force a couple punts and score points when it becomes available, it's not impossible. Pretty close, but it's not impossible. And again, 49ers have a lot of wins. Not a huge amount of wins against teams that are actually any good. Not that the Cardinals are good, but you get what I'm saying, right? This isn't just the most dominant team that's ever played football before. Uh, New England and Philly, the only benefit here really is that it's in Philadelphia. And I, I, you know, the Patriots are only four-point favorites, and I think that's favorites, and I think that's for a reason. Uh, Several things. Number one, the Patriots are very, very good at home. They're not at home. Number two, the Patriots have played garbage teams. This is not a garbage team. Uh, Number three, this is a team that has beaten the Patriots before, which I know this is a different season, but it's still the same coach. It's a lot of the same players, and being able to find a way to beat the Patriots is a skill in and of itself, and we're talking about one of the, you know, one of the top head coaches in football as far as acumen and intelligence and creativity and being able to adjust and make adjustments. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots fall on this one. I wouldn't bet on it, but it wouldn't be all that shocking to see the Eagles come out ahead on this game. Uh, Cincinnati and Oakland, I mean, Oakland's just going to steamroll them. I think Oakland is one of the, uh, I don't want to call them underrated because a lot of people have started calling them underrated, which is to say that they're not so much underrated anymore. But they, I do think they're, I think John Gruden deserves a lot of respect because I think that is a garbage football team. They do not have very much talent at all. The defense is lacking talent anywhere. They don't have pass rushers. They don't have linebackers. They don't have corners. They don't have safeties. I mean, I'm somewhat exaggerating. There's some talent in certain places, but it's not good. On offense, they do have one of the best running backs in football, arguably the best running back in football, but the offensive line is meh. Quarterback is mediocre. Wide receivers are meh. And they're 5-4. and four. They just keep winning. And now they're going up against the 0-9 Cincinnati Bengals, who don't have a quarterback, don't have a prayer, don't have any real desire to even try to win. So that will be a win for Oakland. Pretty sure in my pick I made Oakland 16 on that one just because it's just, of all these seemingly obvious games, that one to me is just like, nah, Cincinnati's not going to win. Uh, Rams and Bears. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's pretty straightforward. We want the Rams to win. There's no real strategic thing in which you'd want Chicago. The Rams are just not that good this year. Uh, they're only 5-4. and four. Don't want the Ram- the Bears to start picking up steam. Similar to what I said about the Lions, I'm not thinking Chicago has any real ability to be a threat. They've got five losses already this season. It's in L.A. Um, my, my biggest thought is we have to play the Bears again. You know, it, everything kind of is, is leaning toward the Packers should win that game, but it's still a good defense. Trubisky at times can show flashes of competence, if he's even the quarterback at that point. And so what I would like to see is is to have this sort of general fear that maybe Chicago is good enough to be able to beat the Packers and then to watch the game and see L.A. just absolutely steamroll them and go, ah, never mind, we're, we're good. That's my hope in this. And then finally on Monday, which is tomorrow's game, we'll just do it today, Kansas City and the Chargers. It kind of goes either way. I mean, it would be nice to see Kansas City fall again and for the Chargers to win for two reasons. One, you want to sort of defang Kansas City and to kind of realize, you know what, I think the the downfall has already begun. 
you know, a lot of people would say, well, they were losing partially because Mahomes was out, but now that he's back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it would also help if the Chargers win because then it becomes a legit thing in which, look, yes, the Packers lost to the Chargers, but, I mean, again, this is a pretty talented team. So I'll definitely be pulling for the Chargers for that reason. Plus, you'll have um, a a six and five Chiefs going up, or and a five and six Chargers, and and really just to have the landscape begin to look more and more like there's a couple teams that have a shot, and the Packers are one of those teams. You know, I, I mentioned last year was not a good year to be a good team because there were so many really, 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 really good teams. This year is almost the exact opposite. You're looking around, and even the really good teams don't seem unbeatable. The 49ers don't seem unbeatable. Their offense isn't that good. And outside of their defensive front, and you know they do have good corners and all that, I mean, that it's not a, it's not an unstoppable force. The Vikings look good, but, I mean, it's, it, compared to last year's teams, there were so many teams that just seemed completely unbeatable. This is just a different year, and it doesn't feel that way. And, and again, you start, you see New Orleans fall to Tampa Bay. If you see Minnesota fall to Denver... If you see, um, you know, by some miracle, San Francisco fall to Arizona or New England fall to Philly or Kansas City fall to the Chargers, you, you just, it begins to, again, kind of pull everything down to, I just don't know, don't know that everybody's all that great. Who is the unbeatable team right now? Who is just this unstoppable team? I don't know that there is one. I don't know that I can point to one and say, that's it. I would have maybe said the Saints, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, we know it's not the Packers. They're very, very good, but they're not an unbeatable team. They're not just this unstoppable force. I don't think it's the Patriots as good as they look. I mean, they haven't proven it yet. We'll see. And again, another reason why I want to see teams like Philly win, because then you look at New England and go, I don't know, they're that good. And again, look around. Who is it? Who's, who's this team that's just, oh, there's no stopping them? I don't know who that is. To be completely honest, as much as I don't want to say it, the team that seems the closest to that would be the Minnesota Vikings, but their biggest flaw is a quarterback that is inconsistent. But their defense is looking really scary. You know, that elite pass rush duo, really good safeties, a really stout linebacker in the middle, quarterback that at times does play MVP caliber. Sometimes he's complete garbage, but he can do that. He gets his wide receivers back. We're looking at a top wide receiver duo, one of the best running backs in football. The offensive line is improving. I'm just saying that that's, that's the, if I'm going to pick a team outside of the Packers, that's like the team that's going to be the hardest to beat. And I'm specifically talking about most well-rounded it's got to be the Vikings. Now, if the Packers can play more consistently on defense and continue to grow on offense, it's going to be the Packers, but they they have to hit that level of consistency. And I know I said the Vikings aren't that, but the Vikings are consistent. Kirk Cousins just has bad games. I'm talking about Kenny Clark. I'm talking about Preston Smith. I'm talking about Jair. I'm talking about Kevin King. I'm talking about Darnell Savage. I'm talking about Adrian Amos. I'm talking about guys that just decide, nah, not playing today. Can't do that. Kendricks doesn't do that. Everson Griffin isn't doing that. Daniil Hunter isn't doing that. They, they, just, they just have to be good. That's it. You just got to be good. If you're good, just be good. If you're, if you're good half the time, you're just not that good. Right? That's my critique of Kevin King. It's hard to call the guy good when he's good 20% of the time. That's, that's just, that's not good. It's like he's good 100% of the time, 20% of the time. Nope. That's not how that works. Good is good. Good can have bad days occasionally, but good is not good half the time. That's not how that goes. If you're a good player, be good. That's it. But anyways, again... A lot of larger implications. We'll see how it goes. We'll have some. I'll have some comments on that tomorrow. Um, hopefully there will be some good news. But i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.